Hello, and thanks for tuning in to Stable Connections, the podcast. Today's episode is with Jill Slater, who talks to us about her diverse job history, including opening a flower shop, working as a speech pathologist, doing diagnostics, television as The Good Gardener, and how Riata was born. Enjoy. I grew up in a little tiny farming community called Delano, California. It's in the Central Valley. And my dad had one of the two department stores there. So there were J.C. Penney and my dad's store called Morris Department Store. So I grew up in retail, and that's really my heart and soul. And the hats, the Riyadas, make so much sense with my retail experience. It's a simple little town, smaller than Petaluma, but one of the reasons my husband and I love Petaluma is because it's tiny. Anyway, when I was in high school, my parents moved us to the Bay Area, to the peninsula, uh, when I was a sophomore. Did the store move as well? No. No. So the store ended up selling eventually, but my dad would run back and forth to Delano, and he was also an orange and almond grower. My friends, a lot of them were growers' kids. Everybody's probably heard of Cesar Chavez. He started the United Farm Workers. And so when you were able to start working, did you just work in the store down there right away? When I was a kid, I would go and gift wrap stuff. And I would swing from all the clothing racks and go inside of them. Your personal jungle gym. Oh, it's so fun. (laughs) And we had a store window dresser. Every Saturday I was with Tony and we would dress the mannequins and put fake snow or whatever the season was, fake flowers. That's (laughs) fun. And I did that for years and years and years. And I do think that 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 Tony really did help my creative Outlet? Outlet, yeah. Yeah, totally. So then you guys moved up here. Did he start another store once that one sold? My dad had started um, fabric stores in the Bay Area. And we did have a fabric store in Delano, but my father saw Delano changing and wanted to offer us a better education or just more opportunity. opportunity. So he moved us up here. And I think it was harder for my parents than for me or my siblings, because my mother, my mother had probably the hardest time meeting people. My dad ran back and forth. I met one friend and she introduced me to all her friends. Well, especially if you're still in school, if you're in high school, there's like that outlet to meet people. The older we get, the more like it is hard and weird to meet people. Like, where do you go? How do you, (laughs) and then who can you trust? There's all of that. Exactly. And Sharon is her name and she introduced me to all her friends. My first real, real, real boyfriend was from one of her friends, was one of her friends and became my friend. And one of my best friends, I opened or I was in the flower shop business with. Hmm. I was in the flower business for 25 years. And Jan worked for the owner of the flower shop that we bought the flower shop from. Okay. So she knew flowers, I knew retail. And that was a pivotal moment for me when we bought the flower shop. How old were you then? I was 28. 28. So did you go to college before then? I did. I went to, (laughs) I graduated on time, but I went to several different schools. In high school, I started ballet, and I 
decided I wanted to be a ballet dancer. A ballerina. Okay. Just like a lot of little girls wanted to be a ballerina, but I graduated early from high school and I went to the Royal Winnipeg School of Ballet. Where's that? In Manitoba, Canada. Oh Winnipeg, wow. Canada. Okay. A warm day was five. Three girls and I did this, and we stayed for about six months. And then my parents were insistent that I went to college. So I did. I went to Pitzer, which is part of the Claremont schools. Had a funny roommate. Decided this is no good. Went to the University of Utah to be a ballet major because I'm so brilliant. Okay. <laughs> and why Utah? Was it just a prestigious school? The University of Utah has a very good dance department. So I was able to pursue my dance and please my parents. Then I got hurt dancing and so I always wanted to be a speech therapist or a speech pathologist. That's very different from retail stores or ballet. Yes. And the reason I wanted to be a speech therapist is because I got mixed up. All my friends in grammar school got to go to catechism. What is that? I don't even know what that is. Catechism is Catholic religious training, but I thought it was speech therapy, and I don't know why I even knew what speech therapy was. So I always thought I want to be a speech therapist because my friends went to catechism. It makes no sense, <laughs> but after Utah, I went to the University of Redlands that had a really good speech path program. <laughs> so I graduated from Redlands, and I got my master's in speech path, and then, I mean, I kind of had all kinds of jobs, and I had a really good job in in Mexico, doing speech pathology for a while, and then I... <laughs> what does speech pathology entail exactly? So speech pathology has several different wings to it. You could teach children who are having trouble developing their language. Mm -hmm. Language and speech are really separated, so maybe they're just not developing their language quickly enough and, and they're not making complete sentences so you work with them maybe they are a stutter so that's that's part of the speech part of it you can work with adults who have had strokes and have lost their speech there's all kinds of things you can do with speech pathology yeah and what did you focus on so i was really into diagnostics testing so i went to this testing center and was a diagnostician. It was intense. It was really, really interesting and very detailed. Um, I'm really glad I did it. And then I, I got a job in television. Okay, and this was, where were you living at the time? So now I'm back in the Bay Area. And was it easy for you to move from place to place? Because it seems like you moved a lot. It kind of was. Yeah. I enjoyed it. I made friends easily. I, I didn't even think about it. I just Oh, now I, you know, I was young enough. Oh, now I want to go into TV. And for some reason or good luck, I could place myself. Yeah. And so I was in television for a long time, probably like eight, nine years. And in front of camera, behind camera? Originally, I was behind the camera, and the beginning position was called a production assistant. So I would, you know, tear scripts and run around. I was like a runner. Grab the coffee. Exactly. <laughs> and I got fired from my first job doing that. Uh-oh. <laughs> what did you do? Do you remember? I, I was living with my folks and I did not tell my mother. And so I would go to my <laughs> job because I was also volunteering in a different department. I was a production assistant for news. So I was volunteering. And then someone called the house and said, 
tell Jill not to worry, we can find her a new job. <laughs> uh oh. <laughs> so my mom's like, what is going on? It's like, what do you mean? That's funny. Why didn't you tell her? I was humiliated mm. and embarrassed. Mm -hmm. Eventually I got a new job in TV. And, uh, and was this like career path? I thought so. Okay. But I'm gonna be honest, in TV, in news anyway, they're not the sweetest people. They're very tough and people yell and you know, you just wanna get the story and it has to be as quickly as possible. Yeah. So I left that because I opened up or I bought with my friend Jan a flower shop. Okay, so that's when the flower shop that's when came the flower, in. Flower shop happened. And I didn't know anything about flowers. I did feel like I knew something about retail. And business. And business. And my husband at the time, you know, helped me do the books. Jan then fell in love and she moved. So now it's just me. And it was a little intimidating because the people that I hired knew a lot more about flowers than I did. Anyway, over time, I spent 25 years doing flowers, Stanford Shopping Center in Palo Alto. Then I left the shopping center because my lease was up and I had an established business, so I decided to supply flowers for grocery stores. And this was when grocery stores were really just beginning to supply flowers. I also was so lucky that I worked for what's called the California Cut Flower Commission. Mm -hmm. California used to be the largest grower of flowers in, in America. Now, of course, we import flowers from all over the world. Mm -hmm. Anyway, I started uh, working for them, and I was then in front of the camera. Um, and we did TV interviews really all over America. For the flower business? Yes, okay. for the California Cup Flower Commission. Yeah. Talking about how easy it is to decorate with flowers. It really is easy. Yep. <laughs> and now, of course, people like Trader Joe's and... Costco and everybody everybody sells flowers. Right when you walk in. Exactly. <laughs> it's, it, they really do make a huge, huge difference. Through all of that, I got a job with ABC7 News in San Francisco, and we called me the Good Gardener. So we incorporated really easy gardening tips with flower arranging. Did you grow your own flowers the whole time? No. No. No, no, no. This was based on, you know, going to a nursery and going to a flower shop. And it's quite intimidating even for me to go to the nursery and go like, I don't know. Mm -hmm. And I have to go home because it's, there's too much. Yeah, yeah. I've sorted that out for myself, but it's hard for people to decide what flowers or if you're having an event. So anyway, I would go around and it was really fun talking about how to decorate with flowers and again, easy gardening tips. Yeah. And did you feel like that was your end game? Pretty much. But then <laughs> that all changed. The economy changed. And I was what's called fluff. You mm, know, like the extra. The, the extra. And so I didn't do that anymore. It's not like I got fired, but it just ended. Did it just feel less satisfying because you knew you were fluff or? No, it was never unsatisfying. It was a tremendous amount of work though. Huge, huge. And so was flower shop. Lots and lots of work, like 50, 60 hours a week. 
Yeah. Going to the flower market at two in the morning, three times a week. Your weekends are all goofed up because you're delivering parties and weddings and but I did love it. I mean I really I, I don't think I would be doing my Riata hats if I had not been through our person yeah to have that experience and growth through a business like that and all of the evolutions and changes because that's every business there are evolutions and changes that we need to go through whether it's the economy or growth or you know whatever the horse part of it came in where and the riata part of it came in where i did love horses i only got to ride at summer camp and I would go to summer camp for six weeks for years and years and years. So I, you know, I rode a little bit, but it was... Not as consistent as you wanted? No, just a jam-packed no. summer? Yeah, and there wasn't a lot of teaching. It was just sort of... <laughs> <laughs> just sort of... <laughs> rip it and grip it. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, um, it's a lot of summer camps, I feel like. It's a lot of summer camp. But I really did love summer camp. And I, it's called Kennelin Camp Club. If anybody knows that camp, it's still in existence. Cool. But did you get a hold of horses when you were an adult later on? What happened was I was introduced to someone who introduced me to, her name is Jean Scalise from Avalon. She still is a trainer, but now she's in Kentucky. At this point, we are in Portola Valley, California. And she really taught me how to ride. Really, she did. Um, I love Jeannie. So I was with Jeannie for many years, maybe like eight years, seven years. And then I left and went to someone else and then I went back to Jeannie. And then the pandemic happened. I was 50 at the time. So I took lessons, you know, like maybe once a week, twice a week. And then my husband, who I just married, leased me. A horse. What a good gift. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then the chaos began. <laughs> yep. Then how I started Riata was that Jeannie took on a partner, Liz Hutchinson, and Liz was taking about eight gals to Thermal, the horse show in Indio. And Liz, because of my flower business, asked if I would make big sun hats for the gals going to thermal. And she bought the hats, she bought the ribbons, and I got a hold of these things, and of course, like, great hats, not enough ribbons, and I, I mean, each hat was, you like red, you like purple, you're contemporary, you're old-fashioned, and they were really beautiful. And we took them to thermal, and a vendor there asked me how much I saw my hats for. We call them hats then, they're riatas now, they're not hats. Right. And um, I, I said, I, I don't know. Never ever expected that. So it was, an, it was just sort of born out of... Just this, a request. A request, <laughs> exactly. And it, it really, I think what I'm really proud of is I did start kind of a... Trend? Trend. A revolution in hats for equestrians. And that makes me feel fantastic. Yeah, I have quite a few friends that when I said I was recording with you, they're like, oh my God, I have two of those hats. I love them, blah, blah, blah. They're a, they're a must have. One of my friends is a trainer and she's like, it's a must have for summer. 
And I was like, that's so nice. Yeah, and you go to horse shows where it's warm and you bring your riata. Yeah. So I've been doing, I think this is our eighth summer. Uh, it is the most fun job I've had, and you've listened, and I've had many. I have left out one job, <laughs> which I work for a plastic surgeon, and I still work for him as his surgical tech, and he taught me, you know, all, how to do it, so certified surgical tech for his facial, facial plastic surgery. surgery. Hmm. And so skin is really important to take care of. The reality makes sense with that. The flower shop helped me to know how to construct and create what I call fabric for the for the riatas. The ballet helped me to trust in yourself <laughs> and that, yeah, you know, with, with balance and grace and coordination and stamina. So it all your life just flows together, and you don't know. Trust your journey. Be you, which is. Rada's motto, you are enough. It all really, to me, makes sense. Yeah, trusting the process. Mm -hmm. And you know, if sometimes it feels like an uphill battle, you just have to continue that. And then at some point, it'll feel less uphill. How did you come up with the name? I was riding in my car down El Camino and I saw the name Lariat. It was a bar. And I thought, ooh, that's a cool name. Love that. It's very lyrical. But I thought it sounded like Ariat too much. And there's a truck that's called Lariat, I oh, think, really? too. Yeah, I think a Ford, the Ford oh, has yeah. a model that's a Lariat. It's a Lariat. Yeah. I didn't even know that. So <laughs> I talked to my husband. He said, well, another name for Lariat is a Riata. And it's, it's a rope. Yeah. It's a Riata. And I felt that made sense because I'm always wrapping stuff around the Riatas and using different you know, knots and just all kinds of stuff. So it did make sense for me, and it's such a pretty word. There's two ways you can spell Riata. People whose name is Riata is usually R-E-A-T-A. -A, okay. And then the Riata, the rope, is R-I-A-T-A. -A, and it just worked, and people like it. Mm -hmm. It's simple, it's and it's easy, and it's it does sound like a, a noun, you know? Yeah, true. Yeah. And it's nice without a the or, you know, it's just by itself. Yeah, I think it's a great name. Thank you. And so is it just you? It's just me. Yeah. I do have a helper, Yael, who is awesome. I do have a bookkeeper because I can't even dial mm -hmm. the phone. Can't do it all. No. <laughs> so she, she does help me with a tr a tremendously. Yael helps me tremendously. But most summers I spend in my little cottage or my kitchen making riatas. She's helped me a lot where I, I don't have to spend 24 seven, but totally this summer, I've been living in my cottage in my kitchen during the summers, because that's the busy season. And do you have it in retail stores? Like how do people usually find it, find them and you know purchase them? We have vendors who have a trailer and go to the horse shows. We have our website. Well, we did have Etsy, we got kicked off of Etsy. Oh. <laughs> Why? It's a funny story. I don't mind telling you. I was crazy busy. And I thought, what am I going to do to help myself? We got kicked off Etsy. <laughs> and that helped me. I don't think I would say that that's a good business plan. But what <laughs> happened was is that we make, and we still do, we make a regatta that we call the CC regatta. 
and it has it looks like Chanel pins. Mm. Well, they're not Chanel pins. So Etsy said, you know, you have to take those off. Well, the funny thing is, I buy those pins on Etsy. <laughs> That's a little backwards. So I was emailing. You so know, you have to take it off, but the person selling them doesn't. No. Interesting. So to make a long story short, we got kicked off of Etsy because of the CC Riatas. Blessing in disguise. Blessing in disguise. And we, you can buy the CC Riata on our website. <laughs> and you can buy those pins on Etsy. <laughs> That's great. Spoiler alert, put them on your own hat. <laughs> <laughs> so what's been like the hardest thing about starting this business? I don't know that it's hard, it's just time consuming. It takes a lot of time. And so until this year, it was taking all of my time, like really all of my time. And sometimes it still does. But it's been the most joyous business. And you can be as creative as you want. And just learning what the public likes. Growing up in retail, I feel like I have this innate sense to know kind of what the public likes and how to grow a business. I give a ton of Rihanna's away. That's how I got my name out. That's and exactly how you have to, yeah. Away. Yeah. It's, it works. So yeah. I don't know if it would work if you're making diamond rings, but it certainly works when you're making for my business. Yeah, especially with social media because you can give a hat away and say, hey, do you mind posting about this? Or just, it's free marketing, it's right? It's free marketing. So. I gave the, the darling gals at Voltaire hats. They're so appreciative. You should have seen the, the post. I couldn't have done it myself. I couldn't pay for that. Models will ask me, can I use the hats? How much are they? It's like, you can have them as long as I can use your photos. So it really works to give your product away. I, mean, mm -hmm. I don't have to give so much away anymore, although I get, still give tons away. Mm -hmm. There's a horse park in Woodside that's having its 100th birthday, and they wanted me to do a booth. I won't be around. Are you doing a booth? Yes. You can have those, and you can help people by celebrating their, their 100th anniversary. And is it where you want it to be in terms of the business? The thing that I would like to do that I don't have a lot of time doing is expanding into I really want to do jewelry. I do have some belt buckles that I've had made, but I have not marketed them because I haven't had time to look for the leather of mm -hmm. the belt. I would like to expand it a little bit, but the time that it's taking, and then also creating new Riata styles, which is really important and has been kind of challenging during this pandemic because there really are supply issues. It's really tough. I have to make sure that if I introduce a new style, <laughs> that people will get it if they buy it. <laughs> yeah, that I can you know keep keep supplying it. We have a style called the Steed. But right now I can't get it in this beautiful kind of tea color. It's more of a beige. It looks great, but then you have to change everything up again. Tell me more about your horse life now. Okay, right now, and I think I always will be, with Sonoma Valley Stables, 
people probably know that the gals, Kylie and Heather, are now forming their own stable called Kindred Hills Farm. We're moving locations from Simone Valley Stables. That facility is for sale. So Kylie and Heather are, are taking, I believe there's like 20 of us, to Nicasio, to a very nice private barn, and they're beginning new. It's giving me the chills mm -hmm. thinking about it because it is exciting. Mm -hmm. It's sort of sad too, but it's exciting. So I did just purchase a new horse. His name is Calvin, and he's super cool. He's actually a little too much horse for me because he's got a huge step and a huge jump. But the girls really prepare him nicely for me. He's doing derbies. He did his first horse show in America last week at the Nova Horse Park. And we'll go to Woodside. And I'm not sure if I will show him, but oh. it sure is fun to watch your horse show. Yeah, and he's the brother to Jessica's horse, yes. right? Yes. <laughs> so we call we we call Calvin Brago, brother to Kygo. <laughs> <laughs> so cute, and he looks so much like him. Just so, showed me a photo. They yeah. look very similar they too. Look really similar. Yeah, I had no idea. But one of our friends said that horse looks like Kygo, and I was like, yeah. So then Jessica was like, really, like, give me his lineage. <laughs> That's amazing to do on accident, especially that you guys know each other too, yeah. and then to find that out is really interesting. That's so funny. So Your goal isn't to show; you just mostly enjoy watching him. I hate to admit that. Why? Because I thought you know I, I had done the three foot for like a nanosecond and never gotten back there. So I'm kind of a chicken. Like, That's okay. Like if I could grow feathers, I might. <laughs> I I do I just really love riding him and I don't really it's really not necessary for me anymore to show. Mm -hmm. Although I do like the clothes. Of course, you gotta look cute and with the hat. I mean, it's the whole package. Yeah. So I have a great opportunity because I can take the Riottas to the show and my horse and not be nervous. Have a good time. <laughs> just in your hat. Yeah. And do you have a favorite hat style that you have? Do I have a favorite? Or one that's the most meaningful or the story behind it's really interesting? Well, it's interesting. The original Riata, that big, big hat. It is prop. I mean, it's definitely what Riata is known for. But the most fun part is to come up with new styles. So we have the Steed. I wish I had that here. I should have thought of that. We have the Steed, we have the Hunter Derby. The Hunter Derby and the Steed have become really popular, really popular. We have a visor that I just revised. Um, <laughs> Revisored. Revisored, exactly. <laughs> and we have what's called the Buckaroo. It's kind of a cowgirl hat, which I really, really love. I'm actually trying to get a hat made just for Riata. So currently, I will buy these hats and turn them into riatas by applying fabrics to them. It would be really nice to get a beautiful, beautiful handmade hat. Is that hard because of the manufacturing shortage, I guess? And you have to buy a ton of them. And you have to wait. We'll see. I'm meeting with someone, I hope next week, that I think can help me. I also would like to get a beautiful felt hat made so that 
you kind of expand out of the straw hat mode. Okay, interesting. Yeah, there sounds like there's a lot of different steps and growth opportunities for it. Did you have kids? I forgot. You forgot if you had kids? <laughs> I, forgot. I forgot to have kids. Okay. You were working so much that you forgot. I really wanted to be married to have kids. I was married. That first person was lovely, but not someone I wanted to live my life out with. Then when I found Steve, I knew that he was the one, and we just were not able to have kids. So I really didn't forget. But we've got tons of four-legged kids. Steve plays polo, so he has some horses. and my horse and our puppies and we've had cats and we'll continue to add to our four-legged family. I think that's great. Well, something I do at the end of my episodes is I ask you to ask me one question. You don't really know much, so. How did you decide to do the podcast? And, or why did you decide to do the podcast? So that is interesting. I listen to podcasts. I like kind of conversational interview type podcasts. And I was on my way down to a barn in Briones and literally was just like i should do this like i know a lot of really random people in this community and just in other states and other places i've met a lot of really cool people and so i just started reaching out to people and recording with them similar to what i did with you where i literally just messaged you and was like hey do you want to record with me and then we chat and then there's this episode and so it was just an idea that i then brought to life did you know anything about the mechanics of it? Or? Not at all. I, I literally called my friend who's a DJ, asked him what kind of mic to get. I called a friend of a friend who's a sound engineer to kind of ask. He did a little tutorial for me on GarageBand, and then I just started recording. How long have you been doing it? I started recording people end of 2021, like October, and then episodes have come out January of 2022, every Monday. So it's new. It's new. Thank you for chatting with me. <laughs> Thank you. Hello, and thank you so much for tuning in to Stable Connections, the podcast. This is your host, Shauna Burke. And if you enjoyed this episode and want to hear more, don't forget to tune in every Monday morning for a new episode. Follow us on Instagram and on Facebook. And if you have time, it really is helpful to leave a review on Facebook, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. See you next week. <laughs>